This is First Up. I'm Matthew Cousin for Aaron Corona. That is Carlo Koliakovo. It was a busy weekend. The Leafs beat Edmonton 7-4. It looked like a completely different team than the one that lost to Edmonton about a week ago by the score of 5-2. Leafs taking on the Sabres tonight. Canada setting a WBC record for the most runs in a single game, beating Britain 18-8. And that game ended on the mercy rule. Raptors lose the Lakers. Woof, 122-112 on Saturday. Bears, massive deal with the Panthers as Carolina gets the number one pick. And the Rams trading Jalen Ramsey to the Dolphins. Carlo, have I missed anything? Are the, uh, what have I missed from this weekend? Uh, no, you pretty much summarize it all. I mean, the Raptors oh, had Scotty, a lovely Scotty loss. Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, Scotty Scheffler, yep. Yeah. Scotty Scheffler wins the Players' Championship in dominating fashion. Um, I think that's about it. I mean, yeah, that's, the that's clocks move forward on the weekend. Yes. Yeah, they don't call yeah, that yeah, daylight yeah. savings time, do they? Yeah, it's daylight savings time. Okay. So every time yeah. the clocks move, it's called daylight savings time? Oh, uh, now, now, now I'm getting confused. Because there's, there's clocks that move forward, and then there's clocks that move backwards. Yeah. Yes, a fallback spring forward. That's how I always remembered it as a, as a kid. But is, both, are, uh, is, both are referred to as daylight savings time? I think so. Okay. Uh, you call us. Uh, you know what? Now I'm, now I'm totally forgetting. <laughs> I'm all, confused, too. Here's, here's all I need to know. Here's all I need to know, Carlo, is that um, the sun does not set anymore at, like, you know, 5 o'clock or 4.30 like it would do in, in you know, in, like, January or December. Right. And, and, you know, we get, we get more sun. That's, I know we lose an hour of sleep last night. That stinks. And, you know, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night because of the Oscars. But it means we get more sun. And I think that is the most important thing. Um, the number, 416-870-1050. 416-870-1050. If you want to call in for Wake Up Woodbridge. I am, if, if from a Toronto perspective, I, I think the biggest story is, uh, is what we saw from Mitch Marner. Like, if I had to really just hyper-focus it, it is what we saw from Mitch Marner on Saturday night and just how many times he turned defense into offense, mm -hmm. uh, scoring for himself or setting up William Nylander. I think that was the number one story from this weekend. Well, definitely was. I mean, he was, he was a rock star with the way that he played. I mean, literally turned the game around with his unbelievable yeah. individual effort that he made on the second goal where he created the turnover and did the spinorama goal and um, deked the crap out of uh, Stuart Skinner. And then the second goal is another turnover that he created. He sets up William Nylander to tie the game, and then Matthews and Tavares take over the rest of the game uh, with their um, goals on the score sheet. And, you know, a great night for their special teams. Um, you know, they go two for five. You know they kill two of three penalties. Um, a great night night for their you know their their bottom six forwards. You saw Achari have the a first night. Goal. Yeah, first Noel Achari. Incredible. Yep. Yeah. Gets the gets gets things started uh, with the early goal there. Uh, he had two goals in the night. He had a, quite the stat sheet too. Seven shots on that. Five hits. One giveaway. One two, or sorry, one block shot and 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 one takeaway. And, you know, Bunting had a really spicy game. He was getting into guys' face. And I think that's the other thing I really enjoyed about 
what I saw in that game with the with the with the Oilers is that in a game that was so star studded, you know, with everything that the Oilers had in their lineup and the who all the players that the that the Maple Leafs had, you saw a lot of feistiness. You saw, you know, John Tavares get fined with a five thousand dollar slash. You saw, yep. you know, Evander Kane and Michael Bunting get into it. You saw a lot of pushing and shoving and a lot of extracurricular stuff. And I mean, it's safe to say, Matt, this is what Lee fans have been craving for with this with this Maple Leafs team about the identity and, and the way they should, you know, play a little play with a little bit more sandpaper. And I think that's what I really like. As exciting as the game was, because it was seven four for the Maple Leafs. You saw a lot of tensions boil over in that game, and it was, you know, some of the Maple Leafs star players that were leading the way doing so. Oh, yeah. And by the way, you, you mentioned, like, just the sandpaper. How did that game start? Before Achari scored, it was the fourth line. It was Zach Austin Reese, and it was David Kampf going back and winning all those battles in the corner along the boards. Like, Achari gets that goal, but the story of that first goal was the Leafs imposing their will, you know, just the forecheck on the Edmonton Oilers. That's how that game started. And, I, you know, and, and, and then, you know, credit Edmonton. You know, they go out, they, they throw up three goals. Some of that, I'm sorry, was on Matt Murray. It's not mm-hmm. a great night for Matt Murray. And then after that, Mitch Marner's like, nope, going to turn this around. And yeah. then it became the Mitch Marner show, and it then became the core four show, and it ended up being a, a, a 7-4 win. And to me, the most remarkable part is same team, same opponent, completely different result on Saturday versus what we saw in Edmonton like a week or so ago when the Oilers won 5-2. Yeah, and I know we were supposed to play Wake Up Woodbridge, but I just got a note from 20 Fingers saying we're having problems with our phone lines this morning, Matt. So I guess guess our phone lines are... uh, are on March break hiatus as well too. So apologize for people trying to call in. Uh, maybe we'll get to it tomorrow after their game tonight against the Buffalo Sabers. You know who I feel bad for, and we, we touched on it a little bit uh, earlier with uh, Dreger. And if you missed it, you, can, you know every hour and every um, interview you can find on the podcast is Jack Campbell goals against over three and a half, a save percentage of eight eighty two. You know, like I. We saw the height of Jack Campbell last year in you know in October, November. We knew he wasn't going to be that good throughout the rest of the year. I didn't expect Jack Campbell, at least statistically, to be this bad. No, I don't think anybody did. But this is this is sort of the you know the the grass isn't always greener on the other side conversation, right? Um, you know, you look at some of the um, you know the the path or you look at the path that Jack Campbell has had to go through to get to this point where, you know, his time as a Maple Leaf was, was a very good one. He was, he established himself to be a very good goaltender in the league. And he, he, you know, put himself in a position to, to get, you know, a contract that he deserved because of his play. And you, you look at, you know, his, his fandom, of and the way he was beloved by his teammates here in Toronto, and I think that translated to the way he played on the ice, where he just felt comfortable in his surrounding, knowing that he came to the rink every day, knowing that you know he was a guy that that was beloved by his teammates. And I'm not saying that he's not that in Edmonton, 
But when you go to a new team in a whole situation, you have to start all over. Right? And I think that's been the difficult thing that Jack Campbell has had a hard time dealing with is that he's gone to Edmonton where, yeah, okay, they're a great team because they've got great players, but they've never been really good at playing defense. And so that has put a lot more pressure on him. Then you start second-guessing yourself because your play on the ice isn't living up to the expectation that was that was given with you brought and in the money. coming in. The money, and the obviously. And you, you want to live up to? The other thing, too, Matt, is that when you go to a new team and you're, you have to get acclimated with a whole new group of players, you don't know if you're going to get accepted the same way as he was here in Toronto. So it's been a juggling act for him. And then you've got a young goalie who's playing better than him that is getting the coach's confidence, that's probably getting the player's confidence. And it just becomes a, a, a spiraling uh, situation. And it's been unfortunate for Jack. I really like Jack yeah. Campbell. I still think he's a really good goaltender. Look, every goaltender in the NHL this year has gone through their own struggles. You know, he went through it really bad at the start of the year. He went through a stretch there where 10 games in a row there. I think he didn't lose a game in regulation. So, and now, you know, they've committed to Stuart Skinner a long time with, or, you know, a couple of years now for three years. And he's the guy that has, own the net right now. I'm not saying that Jack Campbell can't be that guy, but clearly it's been a tough transition for him. I mean, you just hope that yeah. this is something that you know he can he can learn and and be able to persevere through and and find his game again. Yeah, and it's just you're right. It just it, it it's all been snowballing on him, as you say. New place, higher expectations, not doing well. A young guy coming in, losing trust from the coaching staff. And and we're all rooting for him, you know. In in the end, a a really good guy, and uh, you just you you'd wish for better, um, for for Jack Campbell. On uh, on the other side of the show, we're gonna uh, we're gonna stick with hockey, but uh, a team that is near and dear to your heart, the Buffalo Sabers. Uh, Matthew Fairburn, who covers the team for the Athletics, going to join us. And and the shame is, at one point earlier this year, it looked like oh Buffalo's going to break through, they're going to make the playoffs. Now. It has been a tough couple weeks. They take on the Leafs in a game that uh, I'm calling for. I'm calling for the over. Is there any chance less for the Sabres to make the playoffs? We'll find out right after this. A 1-1 draw against the Columbus crew on Saturday night. Shout out to the TFC fans. That was a cold night in Toronto. Oh, my Toronto. God. Was it ever. Oh, Remember we were talking I, to Bill Manning last I, week? And yes, we were asking yeah. him about the weather. <laughs> and they yeah. decided that uh, I was actually with people on Saturday afternoon because uh, we were at my son's uh, birthday party. And they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to the TFC home opener tonight. And it was snowing outside. And I'm like, you're what? You're doing what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was uh, in an Uber passing by that area and i was looking at all the fans i'm like you are but shout out to the fans that showed up man there was a lot of them that did show up and uh helped them uh help them get a 1-1 draw joining us now from the athletic covers the buffalo sabers it is matthew fairburn leafs taking on buffalo tonight matthew really appreciate thank you so much for joining first up oh thanks so much for having me Absolutely. Um, I want to sort of kind of start uh, the 30,000 foot view of the Sabres team because it just feels like such highs and lows. They, they lose eight in a row. They win six in a row. They win five in a row. They've now lost four in a row and just one win in their past seven games. How would you summarize a Sabres team 
beyond just watching what Tage Thompson does. Yeah, you know, they are the youngest team in the NHL, depending on the day, one of the youngest teams in the NHL. And I think some of that inconsistency shows up in those streaks, right? You're going to see these, you know, absolute highs and, and some some rougher patches where they're learning how to – they play such an aggressive style. They're, they're willing to take chances to generate offense and to be, you know, one of the top-scoring teams in the NHL. And I think they're learning how to balance playing, you know, a, a defensive game at times, at the right time, and picking their spots with their offense. And because they're so young and because they're so young in their, you know, building phase of their roster – they don't have a tremendous amount of depth either. And so, you know, Alex Tuck has been missing for, for six or seven games, and that's obviously going to, you know, be a huge hit on their lineup. Right now, you know, yesterday Rasmus Dahlin and Matias Samuelson didn't practice. They've been fighting injuries, you know, for the better part of a month. That's their top pair on defense, and they do not have the defensive depth to to survive those types of injuries for extended periods of time. So, I think just some of their inexperience and some of their, uh, you know, relative, you know, youth is making it hard for them to find that consistency on a night-to-night basis and throughout a season. Obviously, they've taken a huge step forward as an organization in the last year or two, but I think there's still multiple levels uh, that they need to find before they're a team that's, you know, seriously thought of as somebody that can contend for a championship. Yeah, Matthew, it's been a really impressive season for the growth of the Buffalo Sabres. I mean, you're talking about Tage Thompson taking another step this year. He's potentially going to score 50 goals. Um, you know, the way the Buffalo Sabres as a team can score goals, I think they're top three in the league um, in doing that. But, you know, the, the growth of, of Rasmus Dahlin putting himself in the Norris conversation. So with all these positives that we're talking about with the Sabres team, were you surprised that they were relatively quiet over at the trade deadline to not improve some of the areas of weakness and maybe give this team a real chance to push for a playoff spot? Because they're only seven points out with three games at hand. I wasn't super surprised only because general manager Kevin Adams has been pretty consistent in his message that he does not want to skip steps and fast forward, uh, you know, this team's build. Because if you look at what they did in free agency last year, there would have been, you know, a strong case to be made that they could have spent some of the money. You know, they had all sorts of cap space. They finished the season really strong. And you saw other teams in the division like Ottawa and Detroit spend to add some veterans to their young core and and try to, you know, move themselves up uh, in the timeline. But the Sabres really didn't want to block their young players from the lineup. And so when it came deadline time, I think they, they took a similar philosophy in the sense that, yes, they're right in the thick of a playoff race, and they want the young players to be the ones that go through that playoff race so that they're more prepared the next time they do it. And they did add Jordan Greenway. They added Riley Stillman, certainly not the flashiest, trade deadline additions this year, but subtle pieces that added some physicality and size to a lineup that needed both of those things. And I understand the the argument for being a little more aggressive at the deadline. I I certainly understand fans who are frustrated with the playoff drought and really wanna really want to get that, you know, taken care of so they can stop hearing about it. And, you know, the fan interest 
really would have been boosted uh, if they can, you know, make the playoffs. But I understand, too, the idea that this is a really young team. And when you look around the Eastern Conference, you know, the idea of the Sabres, even if they make the playoffs, getting out of the first round seems a little bit far-fetched, never mind making a run at the Stanley Cup. So they're thinking longer term about how they can be, you know, sustaining success for years. And they look at the age of the Eastern Conference and think their timing might be just right when some of these teams are, are starting to age themselves out of contention. They'll be ready to, to enter their championship window. So that's kind of how they approach the deadline and, and why it wasn't super shocking that, that they only came out with a few small additions. It's, it's, it's actually a smart approach to do it because it's easy to get seduced, to get seduced uh, because you just you want to please your fans. You haven't won in ages. you got some really talented young players. Hey, bleep it. Let's go for it. So I, I think that, that shows a lot of maturity in the front office. I think the bigger picture, Matthew, at least right here in Toronto, uh, we're rooting for the Sabres to be good, not great uh, for our own self-interest, but a, if, if Buffalo continues to mature, like two years from now, the Sabres Leafs matchup could be just gangbusters for like the next decade. Yeah, it really could. You always got to be careful, right? You start rooting for for the the kid brother and the underdog, and all of a sudden uh, they become a real pain to deal with. Uh, yeah, if they get to where people bit. think they can, yeah. <laughs> like and but they do. They are set up really well with the core that they have in place. The way they manage the cap, you know, that that Tage Thompson contract is looking like an incredible bargain at $7 million a year. They have Dylan Cousins around the same number, so you're talking your top two centers uh, at around $14 million of, of cap hit a year. I think that's, that's really smart business. Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power uh, as your, you know, top two pairing defensemen. Matias Samuelson locked in on a long-term deal. They've really done well, and that's part of, why they didn't spend a ton of money last summer and, and why they didn't want to add these big cap hits too. Yes, they have all this cap space, but they want to make sure that they're smart about planning, you know, who they're going to be paying on their own roster. So I do think that, that the future is really bright. That's not to say that it's just automatically going to happen either, because I, I think there are things that Kevin Adams can do to help this roster next summer. And that they do at some point have to get more aggressive. You know, you do have to, make some additions from the outside and round out your core. They absolutely need to figure out the goaltending spot as well, which has been a consistent question mark throughout the season. But there's a lot of reasons for Buffalo Sabres fans to be excited. And frankly, it's been a long time since the future has looked this bright. You know, even when they had Jack Eichel, it didn't seem like there was this type of optimism about what they could become. And and while some of that impatience might be creeping into the fan base, I think there's a, a general understanding, not just in Buffalo, but around the league, that this could be a team to be reckoned with uh, sooner rather than later. Matthew, when you look at this Buffalo Sabres team, uh, they've they've struggled post-trade deadline to keep the momentum that they built going in. Two weeks ago, they, they saw the Maple Leafs firsthand in Buffalo where Ryan O'Reilly had a hat trick returning to Buffalo, and the Leafs escaped from get out of Buffalo with a 6-3 win. There's a matchup tonight in Toronto, and the QAW series looks like it's about, you know, last year it took a step in, in, in the right direction. I think Buffalo swept both games here in Toronto. Uh, what type of uh, matchup are you expecting in a in a sort of revenge game uh, between these two teams? 
Yeah, it's been an odd year for this matchup because the Sabres have handled top competition in the league pretty well this year. They've played, you know, the Bruins tight. Uh, they beat them uh, once, and they've played the Lightning well. But they have really struggled in the two games against the Leafs. And so I think the number one thing I'm curious about with the game tonight is how Don Granado will approach things defensively. You know, against the Stars last Thursday, they let up 10 goals, and it was as ugly a defensive performance as they've had all season long. And then two days later against the Rangers, there was a lot more attention paid to how they were defending and how they were approaching play in their own end. And they lost 2-1 to one in overtime in a game that they, they very much should have won. So I'm curious to see how they defend the Leafs and, and maybe how they alter their approach. Like I mentioned earlier, they've been willing to be so aggressive offensively to the detriment of, of keeping pucks out of their own net. And I think we're starting to see a little bit of a shift to where they understand they need to pay more attention in that end. And like I mentioned, Rasmus Dahlin and Matias Samuelson didn't practice yesterday. Samuelson won't play tonight. Dahlin has a shot. So that's going to be the number one thing because that has been the problem in these matchups. You know, the Leafs got out to a huge lead early in the, the most recent game. Uh, they kind of ran them out of, out of the building the first time they played in Toronto. So uh, if they can't limit the chances – for, for the Maple Leafs, then it's going to be another long night. And I, I think they know that going in. So I'm curious to see if they can actually pull it off because it's, it's a lot easier said than done against the Leafs. Read the man's work at The Athletic, covering all things Buffalo Sabres. It is Matthew Fairburn. Matthew, really appreciate Enjoy the game tonight. We'll chat soon. Thanks so much for having me. Talk soon. Absolutely. Matthew Fairburn from The Athletic. Carlo, we're on a run of mats because coming up on the other side, he covers the <laughs> NFL for Sports Illustrated. Matt Verderem will join us. And what is the holdup? Do we got to wait till Wednesday until Aaron Rodgers has a new home and whatever the hell's going to happen with Lamar Jackson? I mean, there's so much good NFL stuff. Also, well, if you yeah. listen to Mark Dominic when we spoke to him just about 30 minutes ago, he said that he expects news with Aaron Rodgers to happen today, Matthew. We, today. We will, we will see. More NFL talk coming up next. I'm Matthew Cause in for Aaron Karolnik. That is Carlo Kliakovo. You are listening to First Up right here on TSN 1050. And Carlo, uh, I got to admit something to you before we bring on our guest. There's two things I am a sucker for. Mock drafts, I will read every mock draft, and I will get angry if uh, the, the, the mock isn't taking the player I want for my New York Giants, and trade grades. I love a good trade grade, and I understand that you know you can't really fully uh, ascertain the value of a trade till years down the road, but I don't care. I am for it. And join us now from Sports Illustrated, Matt Verderam is on the line. And Matt, first, good morning. Thank you for joining the show you uh, gave the Bears an A- and the Panthers an A for their massive uh, trade they made the other night, uh, the other day. I was wondering if you could explain yourself, sir. Sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, yeah. look, I, I, think, I think for the Bears, it's pretty easy. I, I actually thought it was a, a rare trade where both teams won. Um, the, the Bears get an extra first. They get two second-round picks. They get D.J. Moore, who... I think is a is a top end wide receiver. You know, he has not had a great quarterback play in Carolina, 
and yet in three of his five seasons, he's had over a thousand yards. So um, he's on a good contract, three years, fifty-two million left. I think for Chicago, you know, moving back to eight spots is significant, but at the same point, still in the top ten, uh, and the draft is really one of much depth. I think they're going to still be able to get a very, very good player there. They're not getting Will Anderson, but I don't think the fall off is so crazy that it hurts them. So I like the move for the Bears. On the flip side for Carolina, look, let's be real. It's going to come down to who Carolina takes and how good that quarterback is. I mean, that that ultimately is going to decide how good of a trade it was for the Panthers. But I look at it like if you're the Panthers and you get your guy, you don't care what you gave up because realistically speaking – this league's about quarterbacks, and they're going for a big swing. David Tepper has owned that team since 2018. They have never had the same quarterback start for back-to-back seasons. Frank Reich is coming over from Indianapolis. Why did he get fired? Because they could not find a quarterback for consecutive years after Andrew Luck retired in the summer of 2019. So the Panthers looked at it and said, we need to find our guy. We're not going to wait around. I respect the aggressiveness. Um, and I, I think if they find it, whether it's Young or Stroud, they're going to be happy. Matt, who do you think is going to be the guy? I mean, clearly, you know, they, they made this move identifying a certain guy. There's a lot of speculation that Frank Reich likes a taller, bigger quarterback. Do you think it is yep. C.J. Stroud that they're focusing on, or could Anthony Richardson come into the mix right now? Oh. I don't know that Richardson is going to be the number one overall pick. I think he's probably the toolsiest guy that there is. In terms of just raw potential, raw upside, here's the problem with Richardson. Between high school and college ball, he hasn't thrown a thousand passes. And that is something that teams are going to look at, they're going to care about. Also, on top of that, he completed less than 60%, far less than 60% of his passes last year at Florida. So I do think he's going to be a top 10 pick uh, just because of his traits alone and, and, the, and the kid himself. I don't think he's going to go number one. I think Stroud probably is inside track. Look, if you go and look at Vegas odds, Stroud shot up to the top the second uh, the Panthers made that deal. And I always say Vegas knows. Vegas yeah. has more insiders than all these big media companies put together. They, they have an idea. They don't want to lose money. So um, I think Stroud is probably the likeliest. That being said, we're still almost two full months out from the draft, you know, a month and a half. Um, things can change. I think Stroud makes the most sense. Big kid, big frame, uh, no, no character concerns I'm aware of, and can throw the heck out of the ball. Does Aaron Rodgers make sense for the Jets? Yes, to a point. <laughs> um, I, I, I wrote a piece, I can't remember anymore, I think it was Thursday went up in the morning, um, where I talked to three league sources who have been really high up in front offices, in some cases GM, some some cases you know, team president, and said, look, if you were Joe Douglas, tell me what you would offer the Packers. And in all three cases, nobody offered a first-round pick. Hmm. Um, you had a couple of third-round picks with one being conditional. You had a third and a fifth with the third round being conditional. Um, and then there was another package of trades in there that didn't include a first. So if I'm Joe Douglas, I, I, I agree with all three of the sources I spoke with. Like, I'm not giving them a first-round pick. Now, maybe there's, there's a yeah, way you're not, that you're not bidding against anybody. Why would you? <laughs> it, that's it. That's it. But you'd be surprised how many people think, especially coming out of Green Bay, that they're going to get 
a first or multiple firsts. There's no way that no nobody's doing that. And if you're the Jets and you acquire him, you owe a fifty-eight point three million dollar payment to him before the start of the regular season. Now his cap is only wow. fifteen and change, but in cash they owe him almost sixty million dollars straight up before the season starts. So the question is going to be, how much do the Packers kick in? to make the deal work. The more they kick in, the better the, the package they'll get back. Um, if I'm the Jets, I'd offer a, a third-round pick and maybe a, a fourth-round pick or something like that, maybe split over the next two drafts. And I did have one source say to me, which was interesting, if I'm the Packers, I want as much draft capital as possible in 2024 because I want all the ammunition I can get to move up and go after one of those quarterbacks next year, Drake May or Caleb Williams. If I if I have that, you know that that doubt about Jordan Love, so um, I do think Rodgers is a fit, but I don't think the Jets are going to go out and give up a, a haul that maybe some people expect. Do you think you maybe you can call your sources? Sorry, Matt, did you want to follow up? There? No, no, go, 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 go. I was going to say, can you call up one of your sources, Matt, and advise Lamar Jackson to hire an agent? Because it just seems like unless he does, I don't see how this his whole situation plays out in his favor. Yeah, I, I really look, I really can't express enough how strongly I agree with you. He needs to hire an agent yesterday. Yeah. I mean, look, everybody's going to talk about you know, free agency frenzy starting today in the NFL. Free agency frenzy started two weeks ago in Indianapolis. Like, that, that's where it started. At the NFL Combine, where all these teams are doing deals with agents and are just waiting for the next what, couple of hours to, to go by to start announcing these things. And if Lamar Jackson has an agent, that agent is on the phone with every meaningful person in every front office trying to figure out what is out there, what's not out there, what can I go back to my client with. Lamar Jackson is a great football player. He does not have the phone number of every GM in the league. He doesn't have the phone number of every owner in the league. Any big-time agent does, or at least has access to it through, their, through the bigger agency that they work for. So it's, it's really hurting him. And now he's sitting there. He can negotiate with other teams, but again, those teams are going to be sitting there in a lot of ways in the dark because he does not have representation. And in the NFL, that is a big deal. I mean, the court of public opinion matters as well, and that's another angle of this. Like, Lamar Jackson can't effectively communicate how he's feeling, what he's angling for, what he's trying to get done, unless he's just willing to go out on, on TV or, or to go on Twitter and just lay it all out there. And that's a weird position for him to be in, whereas if he had an agent, that could kind of get leaked out there. They could kind of control the narrative a little bit. He can't do any of these things. So he desperately needs to get an agent who can go out and say, okay, Lamar, look, the deal you want, it's out there. And here's the team, and or you want to go there. Or, Lamar, look, the deal's not out there. So we need to work the Ravens to get the best deal possible. I think it's really hamstrung him. From Sports Illustrated, Matt Verderam is joining us here on First Stop. The Jalen Ramsey trade from the Rams to the Dolphins. Is this about um, the Rams wanting to cut loose on Ramsey maybe a year early versus staying with him a year late? Or is this the start of maybe many moves? And 
is it time to recklessly speculate on Matt Stafford's future? Well, I, I you know I, I would tell you to wait till about June to recklessly speculate because there's nothing else to talk about with the NFL. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Well, yeah. Um, but but uh, you know, listen, I do think for the Rams, they cut Leonard Floyd, they cut Bobby Wagner. They've, yeah. I, I mean, everybody knows Allen Robinson's on the block after an awful year last year. Mm. Now they trade away Jalen Ramsey. I mean, the Rams are rebuilding this team. Aaron Donald they, has to be next, no? Well, and I wrote I wrote that in my my trade grade piece over at SI. Like Donald, he's he's a hard guy to move before June first for them because of the cap reasons. But after June first, they save a ton of money if they if they move him. And if you're the Rams, he's going to be 32 in May. What's the point? What, are you going to hold on to him so he can have 12 sacks and you guys win five games, six games? Like if that. I think at this point. Anybody who's not nailed down at the Rams has to be traded. They need picks. They need picks. They need to shed salary. Um, anybody on that roster that makes sense from a financial standpoint, or they're not just blowing up their cap to trade somebody, they got to move them. And Donald and Stafford are certainly two guys we bring back the most. I think for, for Aaron Donald, unless he's just unwilling to move, unless he just says, look, trade me and I'm going to retire, if I'm the Rams, I'm trading him because you have to get some value for him He's more. He's worth more to you right now if you're the Rams as an asset than he is as a football player. So, um, but they're they're rebuilding this thing, and the, the Dolphins end up getting a you know a very good corner for a third round pick. He did he did struggle at times last year. We'll see if he bounces back. Uh, but even with that said, he, you know we're relatively speaking here. He's still one of the better corners in the league. And now all of a sudden they have he and Xavion Howard on a defense coached by Vic Fangio. So it's a nice upgrade. Oh, absolutely. And if we get to see Ramsey versus Stephon Diggs twice a year, that should be plenty of fun. Hey, Matt, thank you so much for joining the show. Read his work at Sports Illustrated. Check out the trade grades. Get yourself up on some mock drafts. Oh, it's a glorious time to be a football fan. Thanks so much, Matt, for joining the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. Take care. Matt Verderam from Sports Illustrated. Carlo, on a scale of 1 to 10, how nuts is it that I love, not only do I love mock drafts, but I get angry if the player they have the Giants taking is someone I don't want. I mean, what are you doing drafting that guy? And I just sit I yell at my computer screen. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, I don't even know what to say about that. That's just I crazy can't help to even it. think about you it. doing that. Like, uh, you're, a guy, you're a guy that has so many other things you love to do. Like, do you let yes. that bother you? Oh, yeah, mock drafts. I see a mock draft. I am there. Like, you know when you're reading an article and and then there's all the clickbait? You'll never uh, – you'll be stunned how this former 90s star, what she looks like now. And you're like, oh, well, i got to click on that. If I see our newest mock draft is out, I'm like, oh, I am clicking on it. I'm scrolling down to where the Giants are. I'm like, you're taking a linebacker. You can't take a linebacker. That's crazy. Yeah. Ooh, actually, no, it is crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. But, I'm looking uh, at Cooper Cup. I'm looking at Cooper Cup. Four years left, $27 million a season. That's a, like, hey, He's got to get traded, man. I mean, if you're the Rams, if you're pure fire sale, man, like trade yeah. everybody. Start the rebuild now. There's, It's a good draft to do it. Yep, yep. On, uh, on the other side of the show, we got my uh, FanDuel best bets, and we uh, wrap up. What was a very interesting weekend in sports? And also, again, shout out to Jimmy Kimmel. Thought he did a really good job hosting the 
Oscars. That's Carlo. I'm Cause. You are listening to First Up right here on TSN 1050. Welcome back, everyone. This is First Up. I'm Matt Cause. That's Carlo Coliacomo. Today's Best Bets is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Did I get it wrong on Friday that the Raptors would beat the Lakers? I may have. Time to bounce back. I am all (laughs) over, Carlo. The over in the Leafs and Sabres. It's at six and a half. I see that number going well over. Both these teams are top seven in goals scored. Uh, the Sabres, they've been giving up a lot of goals recently. Matt Murray, not the sharpest on Saturday. Next up, I'll take Golden State at home over the Phoenix Suns. Golden State is favored by four and a half. The Warriors, 28-7 at home. Lousy on the road, but they're at home for this game. And the Suns, uh, you know, maybe looking ahead because they got Milwaukee on Tuesday. And finally... I'm going with the Dallas Stars, minus 130 to win in Seattle. Back-to-back games in Seattle. The Stars have won five of their last six games. Today's best bets brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. What do you think, Carlo? Are we in for a boatload of goals tonight, Leafs and Sabres? I sure hope so. I was uh, very entertained on Saturday with all those goals. Yeah. I, I hope that continues tonight. Uh, and the Maple Leafs uh, uh, put on a show again because it was fun yeah. to watch. Yep, Tage Thompson, Rasmus Dahlin, uh, maybe Alex Tuck for uh, for the Sabres, and you know Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares. Um, I, I think it's I think it's clear. Mitch Marner, absolutely the best player for the Maple Leafs this year. He was the best player on Saturday night. In a night where there were stars all over the ice, it was Mitch Marner and his defense that I think captured the hearts and souls of all those Leaf fans at Scotiabank Arena on Saturday yep. night. Couldn't agree more, buddy. It sure was. And uh, let's see how they respond. Uh, you know, yeah. this team um, has been playing in, you know, their last two games, they've they've dealt they've dealt with some adversity. They've shown some resiliency. Now again, they're playing a team that they should beat. Um, they've played well against them this year. They've handled their own business. Let's see if they can follow it up tonight. I'll be interested yeah. to see how Matt Murray responds. What type of lineup yep. they go with? Is Luke Shen part of the lineup? So, I guess in the coming hours here, we'll see what what uh, comes out of Morning Skate. It's it's so funny. You're right. Just with all the new additions, all we're doing is watching to see what Mark Masters or whoever is tweeting out. Who are the lines? Who's with who? Who's in? Who's out? And then the like. There's two things I think we're doing today. We're, we're like from a sports perspective, we're doing that. And then the other side is we're we're just waiting on Aaron Rodgers. You yeah. know, we're, we're we're it's like in Caddyshack. When uh, 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 when Judge Smales, Ted Knight, says, well, we're waiting. And I, I, <laughs> I, I feel that's what we're all collectively doing right now. Just Aaron Rodgers, make up your mind, and, and let's, let's just all move on with our lives. So I, those are like yeah. the two things I think, uh, I think we, uh, that we are monitoring. Yep. No, couldn't agree more. And then, more. Um, you know, final thought. Again, we talked about it briefly. Shout out to all the TFC fans who were uh, brave the cold on Saturday night, only got a 1-1 draw. And the Toronto Raptors, I'm officially bummed out. 
I'm I'm officially bummed out on them after losing that game to the Lakers, and not just because it uh, caused me to lose my best bet on Friday. And I don't think that you should be feeling any different about that. No. It's up it's up to them to change the way how we feel about them, and the only way they can do that is find better find more ways to win basketball games. <sighs> Something they haven't been able to do. Carlo, yeah. I wish you all the best today. I'm sure you're going to be back on snow removal duty. So no, let's hope you... not. It's not snowing, is it? <laughs> nah, not yet. I'm. Uh, no. You're in a basement. I'm outside. I can see there is yes. no snow. There's no snow. All right. Hey, Carlo, Perfect. it's been fun the last bunch of days. I'm back to my show starting tomorrow. So shout out to you, to Chris Diaver, to Chris Horvat. A lot of fun uh, the last three, four uh, sure days. Sure has, buddy. Always fun doing a Step Brothers edition of this show with you. Hell yeah. Um, we had a lot of fun, and uh, good luck uh, with your show. Keep giving uh, our audience and our listeners the winners they deserve, buddy. <laughs> All right, well, that'll, that'll, do it. that'll do it for me. Golf Talk Canada is coming up next. Carlo, end the show in style. Ciao.